Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I want to welcome everyone listening to us on the internet today and I want to read 2 Samuel chapter 6. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men set out from Bala of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty who is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. Just explain that, that that means that God's presence was kind of on the top of the ark. Between the cherubim, there were were some statues of some angels, and God's presence was was in the midst of them, on the top of the ark. Verse 3, they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzar and Ahio, son of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs and harps, lyres, tambourines, systems and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzar reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzar because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzar. And to this day that place is called Perez Uzar. That's what it means, the outbreak against Uzar. Verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David, that's Jerusalem. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Jetite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Jetite, for three months. The Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. That sounds noisy. Verse 16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, She despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. Let's go to verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, that's an interesting verse, isn't it? 
Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord. You understand this is his wife and, and he... He said to her, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father, Saul, or anyone from his house. When he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I'll be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Father in heaven, may the Holy Spirit help us now to learn, to be inspired, to be encouraged, and to hear from heaven. I pray that not one word that I shall speak will fall to the ground. May your word come and may it accomplish that, not returning home void, accomplishing the purpose for which you sent it. In the name of Jesus, amen. I love this chapter. For me, it's a picture of a move of God. It's a picture of a of a revival it's a picture of something special that god was doing and does the same today and uh, i've entitled this message thoughts on revival i may think of a more exciting title before this goes online i don't know but thoughts on revival and for me it's kind of a picture of revival because david once he's got his city, he loves his city, Jerusalem, the city of David, you see. But he wants the ark to go to the city. And uh, I don't want to allegorize too much, but essentially what he, want, he wants the presence that's on the ark, he wants that presence in his city. And uh, here in the 21st century, so do we. We want the presence of God in our city. Wouldn't it be wonderful if when people came to Cambridge and to this area, one of the great things they said was, you know, you can feel the presence of God walking around Lion Yard. Or you can feel the presence of God just walking around the market square. You can feel the presence of God walking across Parker's Peace. One of the things we want to build in our lives is homes where the presence of God is. And I'll come to that in a bit. And it's a great desire for people to come and say, you know, it just feels different in this place. I like it here. The presence of God is here in this home or here in this church. Or wherever you go, you know, something of God is with you. And David wanted that, you see. 
He wanted the presence in his city. He wanted a, he wanted a return of the presence of God. He understood that he had built a beautiful place and, and the, and, and of course not just him, but that the, the Jerusalem was beautiful. It was, it was, you know, the most advanced high tech place you could go. But there was something missing. There, what was needed was the glory of God in it. Because without the glory of God, the city was really just bones with no breath. A church can be like that, of course. It can be uh, beautiful. It can be high tech. You know, we were at a conference this week and, and I think there were more lights uh, and uh, computers in that church than probably uh, in the BBC television studio. And it was great, by the way. Great. It's not, it's not wrong. Wonderful. Why should the world have all the best tech? Let's have it too. But in fact, what really made our time there was not the projections. It wasn't the lights. The thing that changed our lives was the breath of God. Not the bones, but the breath of the Lord. And David wanted to do that. He wanted to bring the presence back. He wanted to bring the presence back into his city. And, and, and he knew how to do it. He just had to get the ark there. So what do we learn about revival? I've just got three thoughts. Number one, revival brings joy in the presence of the Lord. But it's not to everyone's liking. The Bible says that as the ark was coming into the city, David began dancing around. And, uh, you know, behaving in an undignified fashion. Because he was excited. I get the feeling with David that in the right sense, in the godly sense, in the sense that it's not wrong, but in a sense that it's something that God loves, he was a big kid, you know. The Bible says that unless we receive the kingdom like children, we can't have it. And so he just loved God. He really didn't care what anyone thought about him. He just loved God. He didn't care what people thought about him. You know what? For that reason, he probably would never have got a British passport. He wasn't dignified. But here he was, undignified. And we read it, didn't we? They came in and they blew trumpets. It was loud. It was a noise. If you wanted to have a quiet moment of contemplation, you were in the wrong church that day. If you wanted to have a moment of silence... You're in the wrong place. The presence of God. Now it's not that of course everyone understood it, but David understood it. When David knew he was in the presence of God, he began to dance. And he began to clap. And he began to sing. The the passion that he had for his God was released so wonderfully in him. And I want to tell you, when God begins to move... There comes music with it. Amen. Can you say amen? There comes passion with it. There comes an excitement with it. Now not everyone recognizes the presence of God. But those who do understand that it's something that's worth getting excited about. It's not a time for dignity. Dignity is not a fruit of the spirit. It is a work sometimes of the flesh. It's Pride. But here, here was a man 
who said, I'll be more undignified than this. Basically, he said to his wife, I haven't even started yet, honey. I've not even started. You think this is it? Me having a jump around in my, in my ephod? I haven't started yet. This is just the first song. I haven't even warmed up. When God begins to move, there is the most amazing release of joy. People get happy. People get excited. They can, they can face their world again. They can face their challenges. Revival does not remove challenges. They are ever present. And in this world, Jesus said, you always have trouble. But in revival, in a sense of God's presence moving in our lives, moving in our church, moving in our homes, we say, well, whatever the difficulties are, I take heart because Christ has overcome the world. But let's throw in a little thought here that's important to say. That's not everyone likes it. Not everyone likes it. When you get free. Not everyone likes it when you get passionate. Do not be surprised. If you get on fire for God and someone comes up to you with a fire extinguisher and wants to put you out, don't think that something's strange. This is always how it's been. Watch out, watch out. There's a fire extinguisher about. You get on fire for God, someone will want to come and tell you to calm down. Someone will want to come and tell you, don't take it too far. And when they do, tell them this, I'll become even more undignified than this. I've only just started. I've only just started to understand his love for me. I've only just started to understand that he's forgiven me. I've only just started to cry. I've only just started to shout. I've only just started to dance. Can you say amen? Someone will want to come and put you out. This poor King David, unfortunately, it was his wife. Do you reckon she gave him a house key? I don't know after that. But there she was, up in the window, looking down on it all. She wasn't in the party. She didn't understand the presence of God. But she didn't like the fact that other people were being blessed. That other people were receiving that touch of God. So she wanted to stop it. Let's have a bit of order here. Uh, uh, Let's have a bit of dignity here. I think she was frightened, by the way. I think she was frightened. And I tell you this, when the Spirit of God begins to move in someone's life, or begins to move in a church, people do get frightened. People don't like things that are out of control. But there's a difference between being out of control and being under God's control. They are two entirely different things. The Apostle Paul was a man who exercised tremendous self-control. He writes in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. But he didn't have much self-control when the Spirit of God punched him off his horse and made him blind. But the fruit of that experience was to create self-control in him. The 
fruit of that experience. Revival is noisy. It's messy. Not everyone likes it. Not everyone likes it. I was telling Jane, just as we were coming back from from our trip, that in one of the great meetings I was in, there was a real roar of praise. And the person leading the meeting said, we're now going to give a great roar and a brick. We're going to march and shout. And the devil is going to be cast out of here. Well, I don't know whether that was really needed, but that's what he did. It amused me to read letters that came in after that meeting. I was appalled at the noise going on. And that the devil was ordered out. I left immediately. Not everyone likes when God is on the move. But when God is on the move, we're not about, we're not about giving a focus to the human spirit and allowing the flesh to run out of control. When the flesh is in evidence, it must be crucified. It's not about people going crazy, but it is about yielding to the Spirit of God. And I want to warn you of this, that this Michal, it says, and I'm sure it's, we're supposed to learn from it, that she criticized David, and it says this, that she didn't bear children then, until the day of her death, I think it says. She did not bear children until the day of her death. Verse 23. Critics are in danger of becoming spiritually barren. Let's move on. So revival brings joy. It brings excitement. It brings something new. But not everyone likes it. And we shouldn't be surprised at that. Secondly, revival will become a funeral if it's not rooted into an obedience to God's word. I'll tell you what's happening here. In this story, a terrible thing occurs. A man dies. If somebody died in the service this morning, we probably wouldn't go home and say, what a revival. Unless it was someone you didn't really like. No, you'd say, that's terrible. But David had done something wrong. And the people had done something wrong. When God spoke about the ark, Back in the law of Moses, he said this. This is how you to carry it. I want you to have a number of priests. I think there were to be six of them. And they were to, there was on the ark, there were little, you know, islets. And they were to put a pole through them. And they were to carry the ark on poles. For a while, the ark was captured by the Philistines. And those of us in the room, we can see a picture of oxen pulling an ark that's on a cart. The Philistines did that. When the Philistines had the ark in their possession, which they did for a while, 
They used to move the ark of God around like that. Oxen were pulling a cart. And do you know, the Philistines must have touched the ark innumerable times. Would you agree with that? They must have. They must have. They must have touched the ark innumerable times. But not once did they drop dead. Not once did something bad happen to them. But when the ark came back into David's possession, it was David's job to handle the ark according to the word that he'd been given. It had to be according to the word. If it was not done according to the word, then the party was soon to be over. And that's what happened. They put the ark of God on a cart, just like the Philistines had done. No one had picked up the Bible. No one had picked up the Bible. They just enjoyed the party. No one had picked up the Bible. No one had taught the Bible to the people. This is how it should be done. So David had not taught the word. Those who were traveling that day did not know the word. And if they knew it, they were not obeying it. And as a result, what was intended to be revival became a funeral. What was intended to be a day of joy and of the presence of God was aborted. And it was aborted not because it was God's will, not because God was uh, putting all these conditions on them. It was aborted because in the midst of their Holy Spirit time, there was no Bible undergirding it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can you say Amen. Can you say amen? In the midst of their Holy Spirit time, there was no Bible to undergird it. Down where I used to live, down in the West Country, there was a wonderful move of God that happened in a fabulous church. They're a charismatic church. They met in a school. It was my, the school I went, you know, the place I went to school. And uh, it was an amazing Wonderful move of God. And each meeting was just full of God's presence. They started to meet every night. I mean, it's just fantastic. And amen for it. And it was God's will too. The people were hungry and they loved God. And yeah, they danced and made a lot of noise. But the leaders of that church... Made a, made a mistake. They said, you know what we'll do? We won't teach the word for a season. We'll just let the spirit flow. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, this happened. Every, and every now and then, one of the leaders would bring a little thought, you know, like a thought for the day. I'm not saying they never read the word, but there was no time given to the teaching of the word. I am led to believe by a close friend of mine that this was not just the scenario for a number of weeks. It was in fact the scenario 
for months. And overnight, the church was shut. Suddenly, that that church didn't exist anymore. It was shut. Because, and it wasn't the revival that shut it. It was the mistake of the leaders to throw the Bible out when the Holy Spirit was moving. We need the Spirit and the Word. Come on, say amen, someone. We need the Spirit. You, you need the Spirit and the Word. And I'm not just talking about, you know, having someone teach the Word to you. I'm talking about obedience as well. Why is it that people can have wonderful experiences with God? And I just want to say something. Let me just clear something up here. Someone can have an experience with God. And the following day, their life can be a shambles. They can go out and commit adultery, or they can go out and, and uh, steal money, or they can go out and backslide. Don't you think for a moment that that necessarily means that their experience with God was not real. Because plenty of people can experience God, and they really have experienced God. But we need to add to our experience with God, obedience to God. Judas Iscariot stood next to Christ. When Jesus said, I'm going to send you boys out on a mission to Israel, Israel's towns. And he gave them authority and he gave them power. And he gave Judas Iscariot authority and power. Don't tell me he didn't. He did. And Judas Iscariot went out and he touched the sick and they were cured. Yes, he did. Don't tell me he's... Anointing was not real. It was real. The Ten Commandments say, and it will of course be the Ninth Commandment, you shall not steal. Judas Iscariot, anointed, experienced with Jesus himself, never mind some great meeting going on in some church, experienced the presence of Jesus himself. But turned out a bad and turned out a bad egg, didn't he? Because he did not add obedience to the word, to his experience with God. If people go off the rails, it doesn't mean. Let me just clear this up. Let me clear this up. It doesn't mean they did not experience God. It's highly likely that they did. Do not think for one moment that a man or a woman who experiences God will be automatically changed in their character. They are not. They must obey the word of God as well. It's not my, it's not my little phrase, but I guess you may have heard it before. If you just have the Holy Spirit, you are going to blow up. If you just have the word of God, you are most likely going to dry up. We're not talking about becoming Pharisees and, 
and just simply students of text with no life in it. But if you have the Spirit and the Word, you grow up. You grow up. Whatever God does in any place, there must be the accompaniment, the vital accompaniment of the Word of God. I've known times in meetings where the Spirit of God moved so powerfully that it just was not appropriate for me to get up that day and spout off my head some of the things in my heart. There are times when it's not appropriate to say, let's go with the plan. This is what I've prepared. This is what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. We want to follow the cloud. But the cloud of God will not lead us away from the Word of God. And it will not lead us away from obeying the Word of God. You need, and I need, the Spirit and the Word. Let's look at one more. We don't want revival to become a funeral. Here's one more before I close. For revival to truly visit the city, it must come via the home. Isn't it interesting? David wanted to bring the ark from outside of Jerusalem and he wanted to bring it to Jerusalem. That was his plan. That's what he wanted to do. Bring it to Jerusalem. But here, maybe we learn something from the Spirit of God here. Maybe we learn something about how this really works. Because before David could bring the presence to the city... It had to go on a detour. It had to go via the home of Obedidom. It couldn't go direct. It had to go to his home. And it was there for months. And then it went to the city. I want to say it again. The revival that David wanted to bring to his community, it could not go directly to the community. It couldn't go directly to the city. It had to go on a detour, like me sitting doing my AA auto route, you know, and uh, there's always the option. Do you want to go via somewhere? I think, no, I don't know where I am. Sometimes if I want to, doing an auto route, I want to go from here, to somewhere in Cherry Hinton, I feel like typing in via Norway and just seeing what, what happened. It had to go via the home. If the Holy Spirit of God is going to fulfill and maximize the season that we're in here, That presence, that passion, that zeal, that commitment. It's not going to go from here to there. 
It's going to go from here. Back home with us. Maybe for months. And then it goes to there. Do you understand what I mean? Let me put it another way. The notion that we can come here and pray. And that God would send his presence down upon this place. And then as a result of that. Suddenly we impact the community. Without that zeal going home with us. That is a fantasy. It's a fantasy. The anointing must go home with you. This isn't original to me either. But of course, the purpose of church. The purpose of church has kind of been distorted over the years. And, and maybe leaders or people like me, we're responsible for that distortion. The idea that if we come into a building, then we will meet with God. And, and of course that's true. But a mature group of believers, a group of disciples, a group of God chasers, people who are hungry for God and in pursuit of God and want to live a life for God, they don't come to church to meet God. They bring God with them to the church. That's how it should be. But actually, Sundays together like this are simply the living stones coming together bringing the presence with us. Instead, we come and we wait an hour hoping to be warmed up when we should arrive hot. Can you say amen? We should arrive hot. You should bring the flame with you. There's only one way to bring the flame with you. You have to have the flame at home. You can't come warm unless you've been in the warm. You ever have someone come and meet you, they shake your hand when you touch their hand, Whoa. they're either very cold or they're, or they're very warm. It's indicative of that they've been in another temperature to where you are now. Mostly it's cold, but sometimes it's hot. God wants the, the revival to go home. I want to say it again. God wants the revival to go home. To go home. If it's not going home, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. If it's not going home, it's not going anywhere. David would have loved to have just made that quick journey. Here's the ark. There's the city. Off we go. Play the trumpet. I'll do a bit of dancing. We'll get it all done in an hour. Nobody wasn't going to be an hour. Because it went to his home for months, the Bible says. Three months. It was three months before David noticed. So maybe it was longer than that before they got the, the pole sorted out and, and went back to plan A. Listen, listen, listen to me. If you want to be a, a true and genuine Christian, then it has to go home. It has to go home with you. That you might be in love with God at home. And in order for you to be in love with God at home, it might mean that certain things at home have to go. It might be that certain TV shows have to go. It might be that certain conversations have to stop. 
home. It has to go home. Let me put it another way. It has to be genuine. It's not about a Sunday mask and uh, we all come in and do this act and then we go out and come back next week and do the act again. It has to be real. It has to go home. I want to tell you something that's true. And some of you, you think it's not true. You think it's not true. But it is true. Sometimes the presence of God is stronger in our home than it is here. And that is good. That's how it should be. There are times when in our home we are blessed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. But you don't get that. You don't get that blessing and the presence of the Holy Spirit by putting stuff on TV that you wouldn't want your friend to know you watched. You don't get that presence of the Holy Spirit at home by going to websites that you don't want anyone else to know that you go to. You don't get that presence of the Holy Spirit at home by having conversations that you'd be terrified to discover were recorded. Come on, people. You know, it's curious. It says that Obed-Edom was blessed. There's another portion of Scripture a little later on where it actually spells out. So you go home and Obed-Edom, or go home and Google Obed-Edom, and you'll find this. He had something like 60-odd kids. You know, um, I don't mean him himself. That perhaps wouldn't be a blessing. But, but um, descendants of his. And many of them were in the ministry and they served and it said they were all blessed. His whole family line was blessed because the presence was in his house. Oh God, put the presence in my house. A couple of years ago, three years ago now was it, I had the privilege to go to Israel. And while I was in Israel, uh, we went and did the various sites, Jerusalem, Nazareth. Jerusalem, uh, the old city, the new city, uh, Capernaum. Had a look at Bethlehem, but didn't quite go in. A bit too dangerous. And then we were driving out. It's the last day. And we're being driven from Jerusalem, I think, to Tel Aviv. Anyway, we're going to fly home. Going to go to some airport and fly home. And on the way out, our guide... Dear Philip Nolan, who's now with Christ, but he said this, he said, some of you may have heard of Obed-Edom, and we all nodded, and half of us had heard of him, and uh, he said, the place where he lived is just up here, he was like a guide, so he pointed up here, so it was on our right, he said, that's where he lived, in that general area up on that hill, so we're all driving out on the coach, and we're all looking up, like you do on one of the, you know, you look in, you think, am I looking at the right thing? I don't know. I'll take a picture anyway. As we looked up, there were giant, uh, like a, it was like a, I don't know, building and very modern looking building and masts and big dish and uh, just, uh, I can't remember how much of it I could see, but anyway, there was a modern complex building. It's the God TV studio now. It sends the gospel all over the world. And it's on the site of where Obed-Edom lived. You see that bit of land, it's still blessed today. 
we want God to move in Cambridge, he'll have to come home with us first. We have to change the way we live this afternoon, not just this morning. Change the way we live tomorrow. And by the way, when I say he has to go home, I do mean he has to come to work with you too. He has to be in the car. So some thoughts on revival. Number one, revival is noisy and exciting. There's so much joy. It's not always dignified. And not everyone likes it. Not everyone likes it. Don't let any fire extinguisher put you out. If you need to be corrected because you're going crazy, believe me, you, someone will do it. But don't let anyone tell you, don't, just don't get too passionate. Do you know what a fanatic is? It's someone who loves Jesus a bit more than you. Think about that. Number two, number one is that revival is wonderful, but it gets criticized. Number two is that there must be obedience to the word of God. In a move of God, we throw away this at our peril. And it's more than just Bible studies. We're talking about Bible obedience. You can have a wonderful touch of God, go to a great conference, have a wonderful touch of God, but within days you can be back in your old way of life. And it's not because God wasn't real or touching you. It's because you didn't take that experience and mix it with obedience to the word. And number three, uh, in this list of thoughts about revival, if God is to move powerfully, then the move of God has to come home. It has to move out of here. And just like in the picture here, carried properly, done properly. Here is a picture on the screen. If you're at home listening, there's a picture on our screen of David leading the way. And the, there are four of them there, leading, carrying the ark from the home into the city. That is what a move of God will look like. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.